You're going to see the interview everyone is going to be talking about. Wagon wheel, what to see? What do I think of her? Yes. I don't think of her. Then we become divas as opposed to just strong women. Ah, oh, coughing during my interview, really? It feels uh, reductive. Hello and welcome to Big Diva Energy. My name is Holly Morgan and my husband Tom is also here. The last mosquito that bit me had to check into the Betty Ford Clinic. Sweetie, crack open the bolly because have we got an app for you. Our subject today is a solid gold national treasure, an actress, a comedy legend, an author, an activist and owner of the best set of Nashers in the biz. Born in Kashmir, her career in the performing arts has run the gamut from Bond and swinging London to Wall Street and swigging Stolly, whilst being a vocal and impassioned campaigner for the causes close to her heart. Our subject is, of course, Joanna Lumley, OBE darling. And with us, to discuss the almighty Lumley, is another polymath. Our guest is a comedian, a poet, a producer, writer, actor, and co-artistic director of multi-award winning theatre company Out of the Forest. It is none other than Joseph Cullen. Hi darling, how are you doing? Hi friend, long time no speak. Long time no speak, we definitely didn't stay up late doing a quiz last night. Oh, it definitely wasn't six unnecessary hours of our lives, was it? But there we are. (laughs) No, well done, Dan and Lucy. Good quiz. Great quiz. Great quiz. Tasha Wilson, consort of Joseph Cullen, fellow friend of the pod and diva, is having a a restorative nap, I believe. She's, yes, I've relocated her from the sofa, which she she managed to get to this morning. (laughs) I've relocated her back to the bed so that I can sit next to the Wi-Fi. (laughs) Would you say as her co-artistic director, she is currently in the forest? Yeah, she is in the woods. She can't see wood for trees at the moment. She is. I I was going to say fog and trousers. I've never heard that phrase before, but those are the words I thought of. You have now. Fog and trousers. She's all fog and trousers. Oh, she's fog and trousers. (laughs) She's all fog and trousers. She is. Bless her. If a hangover happens in the woods, no, I don't know. I'm not going to bother to finish that one. I saw on um, Twitter the other day something that if if a tree falls in the forest, should Dominic Cummings have been there? (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, stay at home. Yeah, yeah. It's lovely to have you on, my love. How how have you been? How's the lockdown treating you? Um, I do you know, I've been through all aspects of my personality over the last two months. <laughs> yeah. I've had moments of bouncing off the walls with anxiety. I'm not very good at sitting down and just relaxing. I've yeah. never been very good at that. And all of the work has been taken away from me. So now I'm just doing it without purpose but I have done lots and lots of cleaning I've cleaned cleaned things I didn't know we had Holly oh amazing on Spotless. your body or in the house <laughs> on each and every bit of it all every of it every crevice every and nook I, I can tell you cotton buds clean anywhere oh that's something I've learned wonderful in between the tiles that's very satisfying Ooh, Ooh. you really have got into it haven't you, you yeah I really, I really have gone deep. Bought, bought myself one of those um what they called handheld portable hoovers Oh, yeah, we've got one of them. A dustbuster. Oh, the it's shit. changed my life. Yeah, they're brilliant, aren't they? Well, you wait till you get hold of a Hoover, as an oh, official brand name brand. Hoover. Oh, my God. No oh. cord. Ooh. It's gorgeous. No cord? It? No cord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sits in the corner of the room. You feel like a sexy witch wandering around with a lovely cleaning broom. It's just everything. I mean, I know what a broom does now. Also, <laughs> <laughs> ah, You know when you realise that you're potentially more hungover and tired than you thought you were because you've just eaten something? I was like, I'm absolutely fine. And now, because my food's settling, I'm down, like... That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, Keep your blood sugar down. <laughs> yeah. How's it been having having a Taco Bell in lockdown? Oh, it's so lovely. Mm. 
we've got yeah our, li- our little doggy she's two two and a half and she's i mean i think dogs everywhere are having the best time aren't they at the yeah. moment they're just living their best lives she's not I, I read somewhere about a dog that broke its tail through too much wagging or something like that <laughs> what what um taco bell because Ta- she's a, a a mixture of breeds we're not entirely sure what but uh shippaki is a uh, like a belgian canal boat terrier oh. which they're bred specifically to guard canal boats in belgium <laughs> i think <laughs> the most hipster of doggies yeah but she, um yeah she was a, a shippaki and a sort of staffy mix but she's just developed um the ability to smile you know some oh. dogs curl up their lips and sort of sort of smile at you and she does a weird little wiggle and if i've gone out of the house now for 20 minutes it's like oh i've never seen you oh, i've never bless. seen you so joe we can talk about joanna lumley what does yeah. she mean to you oh do you know i spoke to my mum the other day and i said i'm going on you know tom and holly don't you and she went yeah and i'm going on their podcast mm. big diva energy and i'm going to talk about joanna lumley and my mum went oh you love joanna lumley <laughs> and i went right yes <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know, Mum. That's why I'm. That's why I'm going on to talk about Joanna Lumley. She's like, you've always loved Joanna Lumley. Went, yeah, and since I was, I don't know, seven, eight. Whenever I first watched James and the Giant Peach, oh, I fell in love with with the pair of them, Joanna Lumley and, and Miriam Margulies, oh, just as Spiker and Sponge. I don't. I think, I not you know not not an aesthetic attraction necessarily, but there's something about the sheer grotesqueness of those performances yeah. that I, as a as a Amdram loving tight wearing seven year old must have <laughs> we've seen, we've <laughs> seen the pictures yeah. you're yeah. right they've gone it's, it's a bold choice and I'm here for it yeah, yeah. oh it's the voice oh, the she's voice. the voice of a nation isn't she yeah, she's she just really is. everything I've been trying to like she's impossible to impersonate I think because I with Pat, because you think like Pat's, it's mostly the teeth, isn't it? But there's something indefatigable about where she, like the growl in her voice, like kind of the purr in it. Oh, 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 obsessed. Margulies, we're obviously we're going to cover at some point. Yeah, but I'm desperate to actually get her on the pod because she was trying to move people in at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, she's got a house uh, in South London somewhere, mm. and she had an advert up for people to move in. So Margulies is, I think, just she's. Person of the people. You can rent her holiday home with relative ease. It's not that expensive. Didn't, didn't somebody use it for smuggling drugs? Shit, no way. Really? really? I, I, yes. I, I'm sure in an interview, somebody asked her, she, or, or there was a newspaper article about it, the holiday home that she rents out, she never really goes to it. She just rents it out. <laughs> Apparently some people rented it and used it to smuggle sugar loads of drugs in. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Cocaina. Yeah. <laughs> And she was like, um, why oh. hasn't anyone invited me? She was like, oh, I should have put... What she said was, I should have put the rent up that week. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about Margulies is she's clearly like... She's an absolute, like, textbook oh. lefty socialist. Like, yeah. lovey, um, mm. hangs out in, in, in kind of champagne socialist circles. And yet she's like, yeah, damn right, I want my rent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like all good she, champagne socialists. Yeah, Because yeah. she was yeah, kicking off... she did... Um, she did once say, I read, I read um, she said, I, I have a class prejudice against the upper class. Uh, and I was think, yeah, good for you. Good for you, Mitch. Wear on your sleeve. Th- this is a sidebar, but um, uh, 
this is was this is a third hand story, so I'm, I missed the details. But someone I, I my friend Eddie is friends with somebody who was working as a, who's an actress, but was a dresser on the Wicked in the first when they brought Wicked over for the first time. So it's Adina Menzel and, and Margulies, obviously. And mm. Margulies had a huge crush on Adina. And um, when they were doing, they were teching Defying Gravity and this friend of my friend Eddie's was like, right, I'm going to snick out and watch it because, you know, we'd all had the soundtrack for years by that point, hadn't we? It was like, oh shit, amazing moment. I'll get to see them teching Defying Gravity. So she snuck out into the stalls and like, you know, smudged down so no one could see her. And they did, and you know, Adina did it, ah, like amazing. And then like on the final beat, like, ah, boom, she heard a little voice behind her <laughs> go, mm delicious <laughs> and it was Margulies had done the same thing she'd snuck into the auditorium to have a perv on Adina amazing <laughs> delicious she's, she's very good that Adele Dazeem isn't she she's good she's got good she's lungs in her that, good. that, that green bit wickedly talented wickedly talented but um, back to Joanna yeah of course um, well well, don't skip past defying gravity well no exactly what we're husband, here your oh. husband and I have uh, been backing dancers to friend of the pod, Graham De La Cruz, That's singing right. Defying Gravity. We gave our <laughs> flying monkeys. The hydraulic didn't work, of course, so we had to throw ourselves on the floor, didn't we? Yeah. And just behave and we like that. we aerosol <laughs> around, didn't we? That's right. Hairspray, I and think it, it was. went in our mouths, didn't it? And we started right. gagging, didn't we, in the middle of a live performance? We did. Probably <laughs> not for the last. Ah! Why we snuck gagging out for? of that show halfway through to go and get two more pints each. Stop it, did you? <laughs> While Graham was doing an 11 o'clock number. We'd seen it four times at that point. I mean, Graham, uh, Graham, Graham was well and truly gone by that point as well. She was just still performing. Graham de la Cruz? <laughs> gone? <laughs> no. I tell you what, the listeners to this pod will be appalled at that kind of <laughs> smear. Have we had an update on the carpet? <laughs> no, not yet. Have <laughs> no, no. no. heard from her? Oh no, she's safe. She's safe. Oh, oh she's uh, safe. We've heard from her, but just not the carpet. <laughs> Fucking hell! Poor Mammy's still on her hands and knees with a Brillo pad. Well, didn't we decide that it wasn't actually a stain in the end? It was just a shadow. <laughs> <laughs> she got confused between the spilt wine and the shadow. <laughs> I love it if she just ended up rubbing a hole in the carpet, because <laughs> rubbing away at something that isn't there. <laughs> Story of her life. Incredible. So, my darling, we're going to ask you the questions, mm. the questions we ask all our wonderful guests. Here we go. Yeah. I will always love you. Who is your ride or die diva? Well, do you know, we've already mentioned her. I couldn't stop myself. It, I, 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 I thought long and hard and I did settle on Miriam Margulies. Fine. Because if, if, I weren't, if I weren't here talking about Joanna Lumley, I'd be here talking about Miriam Margulies. <laughs> yeah. And she's just, it's very on brand. The two of them have worked together. They're a yeah. fantastic double act. But also I just, there's so many wonderful clips on the internet. If you haven't <laughs> just gone down the Margulies rabbit hole, I <laughs> urge you every appearance on Graham Norton, yes. every interview ever. I watched a clip of her last night on, it must be an old episode on, on this morning. And Philip Schofield said, do you know, Miriam, you're one of um, you're you're always on people's top five of who they'd invite round for dinner. Always. It's always you. And she went, Oh, that is lovely. What's the food though? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Miriam. Charmed, I'm sure, but what they serve. Oh. What they serve it. Don't give me any old shit. Oh, excellent. She had a brief day of controversy last week, didn't she? What did she, she do? do? 
Well, she sort of, she came, she said something like, she was like, you know, when Boris Johnson was in hospital, there was a part of me that wanted Oh, yes, I remember this. And then, and then I very quickly decided I didn't want to be the sort of person that wanted somebody to die, so I wanted him to live. And she was, I think she was just articulating the thought processes that many people yeah. went through. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, she, she talked, she, she said that thing, and then, she, and then she corrected herself and talked through her thoughts. And yeah. I, I was sort of, I mean, everybody gets their 15 minutes of... Uh, Cancellation. Don't they, at the moment? Gosh. Yeah. Got nothing else to do, have we? It's, yeah, it's the I same know. thing as Jeff Goldblum. <clears throat> I mean, I know you don't watch Drag Race, but Jeff Goldblum got in some trouble recently because he, one of the drag queens, came out on the runway in a full hijab, and he basically did what Margulies was doing, didn't he? He was just talking out loud. Mm. Really, he was yeah. try, uh, sort of trying to crystallise his thoughts on a subject mm. by saying something along the lines of, "Is it interesting? Is this controversial? Having a, a gay man dressed as..." A woman in a hijab given the relationship that that religion has to uh to homosexuality and they just came for him didn't they mm-hmm. i mean yeah. i understand why it's not like the most nuanced thing and maybe they shouldn't have kept it in but he was doing the same thing i just it's, it's yeah. slightly worrying if, if we feel like we can't keep talking out loud well, and... do we all have to speak in perfect sound bites exactly like i i mean i certainly don't <laughs> no, no I, I edit them out yeah exactly you, you spend hours trying um, to make her sound yeah, at watched... least remotely woke at least, you know, intelligible. Um, <laughs> what Jeff Goldblum, because I don't, I don't watch, I haven't seen RuPaul's Drag Race, but I, um, but I, I did see that clip because we are, we are a, a household of two obsessed with Jeff Goldblum. Oh, lovely uh, stuff. Um, we've got a lovely book called The Goldblum Variations: Adv- Adventures of Jeff Goldblum Across the Known and Unknown Universe. At the moment, any time anyone who isn't a rabid Tory is vaguely critical, mm. right wing Twitter goes, "Oh, I thought we were all being kind." And it's like, uh, no, you weren't. No, no, you don't. It, it's the same thing the Tories always do. They're like, well, you know, we're cunts, but look, look at this. One of you's done something bad. Yeah, do you know, kindness is not giving a platform to all people. Kindness yeah. isn't, isn't. You know, you don't. You shouldn't have to have a television program where somebody is talking about the curvature of the earth, and they get somebody else on to talk about how the world's flat. Yeah, that, that, that's not balance. Exactly. People think you have to have you know, opposing views is balanced, but actually, like, not if the science yeah. says, <laughs> follow the science, we're following the science, yeah. we're all taking to this crackpot. Oh, you know? they've changed that now. They're being guided by the science now. Being the guided language now. has changed, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, stick to divas, come on. Back to the divas. Um, anyway, Marcelise can run her mouth as much as, I, as much as she likes, I say. Superb, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, this leads me on to my next question, because actually I would... My next question is, who runs the world? Which Dave would you give the nuclear codes to? But I, I, I might put Margulies in the ring for myself. Mm. But who would you go with, Joe? Well, I, I, I did. Th- I thought about just putting Miriam Margulies as the answer to all of the. <laughs> and we would have accepted that. On your rider, but um, <laughs> I did think of Margulies because I figured she, she's always she comes out and says, I don't know how to use technology, so she'd never know how to use it. Yeah, that's true. Mm. And then risky. I thought, and then I thought. Hey, maybe maybe Holly Morgan gets the nuclear code. Shit the bed, me. Well, I do you know my my thinking was so so desperate is she for Big Diva energy to carry on? She's never going to fuck this shit. So true. It's so true. It's all she lives for. And then and then I did I did on this one I went a little sensible, you know. Okay. I did I did because of the time that yeah, we're in. We're living in extreme times. And yeah. I thought either you you toss it over to Jacinda Ardern. Oh yeah, one hundred. Young Joanna Lumley. Yeah. Yeah, I think 
Very good. In a beautiful way. Or if you're giving it to someone here, Diane Abbott. Give it to Diane. <laughs> Diane. She'd have a few too many hitos. She'd hit that button. Yeah. She tweeted the other day, and I thought it was fantastic. All of this stuff to do with Dominic Cummings and, and, and all of that. She went, oh, the, there's a, a long string of inaccurate stories about him. Welcome to my world. <laughs> yes, Diane. She, she can do. Diane. That's excellent. Yeah. I, she puts I, her mind to it. Yeah. Also, yeah, we give them to Diane. We know that her and Jeremy won't be using those codes. So I think we can all mm. sleep sleep well in our beds That's true. with that. That's she's great. never said that. I don't think he said it. <laughs> yeah, I don't I think might, she's I made might, any sort of a promise. <laughs> I might politically be getting myself in hot water there, but I just, uh, you know. Do what you like. Definitely a woman. Give Def- things. Yeah. yeah, I think we can all agree. Absolutely. Or as, as Graham put it, if you look at all the women that are running countries right now, they're all women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your contribution, son. <laughs> uh, after what bottle of wine was that? <laughs> Six oh, or seven, seven I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if so it's towards s- the beginning. <laughs> if you could turn back time and send mm. one diva back into any period of history, what would it be? Whitney at Waterloo, for instance. Well, now here we go. My, I had a, I had a, a little a little gut instinct, mm-hmm. and then I and then I changed my mind. But my gut instinct was send Imelda Staunton back to Agincourt. <laughs> I want to see her do that speech. That was my gut. That was the first thing I thought of. Oh, my God, I'm so with you. I want her, like, in her... My favourite Staunton is freshly scrubbed ham Staunton. Like, Mama Rose... <laughs> Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Um, uh, Vera Drake. I ah. want Rosie. Lovely little cherub face with that bowl yeah. cut. Oh, she'd smash it. With the bulk. That scene in Pride with her and Bill Nye just buttering bread. Oh, it's one can't. of the greatest scenes of a, 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 a film of all time, I think. I love Fantastic. that film so much. I, no, I changed my mind okay. away from Thornton and I, I decided that I would like... It's not even about sending this person back in time. Okay. Um, this person was born in 1860 oh. and I'd like them in the year 1869 to just travel the globe um it's a lady by the name of lizzie borden <laughs> and she um uh, as you know my my theater company um i produced a play called bury the hatchet written by my girlfriend which is about lizzie lizzie borden took an axe gave her mother 40 wax when she saw what she had done she gave her father 41 and it's the supposedly unsolved well it is an un- unsolved crime although she definitely did it <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. I would just, I would send her at the age of nine, hatchet and all, over to Karlstadt near Bobenheim in Germany. Oh. That was the first, uh, that was the first time the sort of, the Trump seed was spaffed, as it were. Friedrich Trump was born, the grandfather of Donald Trump over there. That's where I'd send her. That is. I'm not going to tell you what I'd like her to do with that hat. (laughs) I, he'll find me and I'll I'll be added to a very long list of people he wants off Twitter but I, I that's where I'd send her that is so that is a really detailed nuanced answer covering questions about the space-time continuum I mean that is that should be well, set it's just travelling to Germany Holly <laughs> <laughs> no I think that should be set as an ethical question for all university students what do you expect though from Cullen I mean history buff he brings history into everything he does don't you he bring it to you every ball historical based comedy historical based theatre historical based fashion <laughs> historical based fashion 
Thank you. <laughs> Excellent answer. Right. Material girl, what's going on your rider? This was not a difficult question, Holly. Right. Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Great answer. <laughs> that's, that's it. How much? A, a one-word rider. <laughs> well, an, an unlimited supply. Because I, I, my here's the thing. This, this I'm not going to. I'm not start. I'm not trying to start a conversation here because there is. I'm right. It's mayonnaise <laughs> is the greatest of condiments. Yep. Yeah. Uh, fine. Yeah. I can tell you there is nothing you can't put mayonnaise on or in. Chocolate. From experience, yeah, everything. Because I've made a mayonnaise chocolate cake. I've made, oh. um, I've had mayonnaise on cornflakes. I've, oh. I've had it all, Holly. I've and just I just gagged in my mouth. Yeah, Do you know, I won't, I won't mention names here. But when I was at university, I did hear a story of um, somebody, and um, somebody that a friend of a friend using mayonnaise as a lubricant. Oh but Jesus Christ! I won't, I won't go into. A, you don't need me to go into any more details there, do you? And would rather you didn't. <laughs> but I used to carry. Honestly, I used to. As a, as a teenager, I used to carry a bottle of little bottle of mayonnaise in my bag everywhere I went because it used to really. I I think I've always had uh, let's uh, issues with my mood. Let's say I'm very sure. very quickly quickly ticked off. And, uh-huh. and whenever I was in a restaurant, as a, my mum would carry mayonnaise in a handbag just in case the <laughs> restaurant didn't have it. Because I Pizza Express never never had mayonnaise, <gasps> and really? mayonnaise and pizza is not a an uncommon that's not alien no. no it's not crazy i mean you get three pots of it don't you with Domino's? yeah yeah I pizza just... express that pizza shocks express, me actually because they very rarely put a foot wrong pizza express unless you're in woking well <laughs> apart from the great yeah if you're in woking or when they shrunk the plates i just love the fact that beyonce has hot sauce in her bag swag joe cullen has mayo in his bag we are off compared you are you are beyonce. You... <laughs> you are the beyonce of uh, of somerset um, that's what they call him. That's what they call him. Excellent answer. Unlimited supply of mayonnaise. And mm. <laughs> Nothing to put it on, but just loads of it. Loads of it. Uh, <laughs> leading me to my next question. Have you ever been a diva? Please interpret that term in any way you should so wish. I mean, I, I'm i almost certain I'm a diva at some point every day. I did <laughs> last, last week, I uh, no, a couple of weeks ago, I made a, made, tried to make a quiche. But I didn't. I didn't blind bake the base, did I? So it had a soggy bottom, and oh. I woke up in a terrible mood, and I just punched the quiche and put it in the. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, don't think that that was about the quiche, Holly. I think there was a lot going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but a few years ago, uh, Sasha, my girlfriend, and I, we we went to Arizona um, to work with a Shakespeare company. Sasha was there for sort of seven months. I went for three months in the middle, and. Uh, I mean, we had a we had a tricky time with yeah. with this company because it's you know it's the it's the sort of place in the it's a very Republican part of the world. It's the sort of place where they think theatre is putting Annie on three times a year, you know? <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? Wrong <laughs> well, um, crowd, Joe. Sasha was in. Sorry, Sasha was in the a school's a touring school's production of Twelfth Night as Sir Toby Belch and uh, the cast again. Yeah, right. The, the girl that was playing uh, Sir Andrew Agerchik, she got um, nodes, is it? Um, oh, shit, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, so she had to drop out. And so I got drafted in, literally, tw- the, the day before a, a 9am performance in his school Christ. of Twelfth Night. And I was I had to stand in for Sir Andrew and uh, Sebastian. And oh so that God. was lovely because Sasha, Sasha and I were doing Sir Toby and Sir Andrew opposite each other. And that was really nice. Oh. But the head of education for this 
Shakespeare Company was uh, an extra called Roxanne with one N. Oh. Not a fan of that. Roxanne. But she, she, oh, she now, now, <laughs> she obviously had some issue with Sasha because um, she was really not very nice. And she used to say horrible things to Sasha about her performance oh, after, uh, like, after these sh- shows. And uh, on literally the day after I was, I agreed to to cover for this part. So I was obviously still on book because because I, I was told the night before and I wanted to sleep before the <laughs> performance. So I was so I did it on book, obviously. Yeah. And and after we did the performance, and she um. This is in a school hall, and the, and and we'd finished the performance, and the the children were still in the room, and this lady came over to me, and just started laying into me, about being on book, and I was just I was like Roxanne, <laughs> you, Roxanne, if you have a problem with my performance, you can call a meeting. <gasps> Do not talk to me in a school hall just after the children some of these children have only just watched shakespeare exactly you showed her the red light oh and then i just i I found i went through my emails to find the uh the email that i then sent to the artistic director of this theater company and it was just like you know i think it would be appropriate for sasha and i to meet with you or talk to you to discuss our future involvement in 12th night We we are both very unhappy about the unprofessional way we were spoken to yesterday and then it goes on and on and on about (laughs) Calling a meeting and talking about professionalism and all of this. But it was, I was just, I was like, this is, oh. And everybody else Outrage. in the car was on my side. But I did, I did throw a bit of a tizzy. I don't know, because... I think you are very much in the Lupone camp mm-hmm. of the word diva there. That's, yeah. yeah. you brought it, you did your best. And then when someone dared to criticise you, oh, you went off. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It wasn't a cold read, Tom. I did. I gave a stunning performance. I bet you did. Yeah, you just happened to have a book in your hand. Fuck I had sake. a book in my hand. I didn't. I barely looked at it. I Andrew's a big did. reader. Still did all the practice. Could have just been reading. Could have just been reading. Do you know this? This ties in nicely to the final question: is what does being a diva mean to you? And I think that that is. I'm just standing up here for the mm. fact that I have been asked to do something which is difficult that not yeah. everyone can do, and I have done it to the best of my ability. And now, factors are getting in the way of me doing my job. A diva does not stand for that. that no, yeah, that's what I wrote down. I wrote down, doesn't take shit lying down. Absolutely. I think my Lupone school of thought. You yeah, know? yeah. And yeah. Lup- I think they all are in some way. Most divas well, are those that type of diva. It's just where they differ is the, the bits they add on to that. So Mariah Carey doesn't take shit lying down. She won't walk. Exactly. That's why. <laughs> she has to be carried around. But like, yeah, I guess it's what you shift your own parameters after a certain degree of fame, potentially, to, to what you perceive to be unreasonable behaviour. That is true, yeah. Now that we've all got our wheels on fire, let's take a little break. And we are back. Hello. So, let's get into it. Joanna was born in Kashmir. Tom, can you underscore this, please? With? I want a full hummed Led Zeppelin, not the Godzilla sample. Out of three slash four. In 1946, and after Indian independence a year later, a family moved to Malaysia before moving to Kent. You can stop the underscore. It just sounded like we had a bee in a can. Your bit. One of those bees in a can that you get? Yeah. Lovely. Joanna Lamond. Lamond? I 
don't know. It's called a Lamond. Any ideas, Joe? Lamond. Lamond. Joanna Lamond Lumley was born to Major James Lumley, who served in the Sixth Gurkha Rifles, and Thyra Beatrice Rose. Joanna has said that when you are born into an army family, there is no real place that one can call home, but nothing can take away from the fact that I was born in Kashmir. Mm. She wasn't born in Kashmir, but your mum was an army army brat, wasn't she? She was, yes. My mum was born in uh, Traherbert, not Kashmir, but she did. <laughs> Very different place. She, she, my grandfather was in... Mi five. Uh, so <laughs> I was born in I was born in Corduroy. Funny how you come out, isn't it? <laughs> Still up from what I can see. <laughs> so Joanna's dad is Scottish military. Her mother's father was also a military man. Lieutenant Colonel Leslie Weir was born in India, served in India, and was a mate of the Thirteenth Dalai Lama. But the accent obviously is pure RP. Probably because she was educated at the convent of Our Lady School in Saint Leonard's on Sea. Sussex, darling. Sussex, darling. Her parents weren't flash. Anything that could be patched and reused was greeted with delight, she said. In terms of money, she says, we didn't have bicycles, didn't go on holidays, didn't have ponies. The money was spent educating us. Despite sounding like the poshest thing since sliced gold bread, Joanna insists she isn't really that posh. She just, well, sounds that way. So I just wanted to twat, chat about Joanna and her poshness. <laughs> Is that a Freudian mm. slip? You just wanted to twat about poshness? I just to twat about poshness. Um, because we, three of us, all love and live for Lumley but as we've probably you know betrayed our our lefty sensibilities flaming reds flaming reds why why do we tolerate her poshness <laughs> <laughs> why have we executed her yet I I it's I've, I've seen a few I've seen quite a few interviews with Joanna Lumley yeah and she there was an interview in the 60s or 70s where she sort of asks the audience do you think I'm posh and they they will say yes and she goes oh and it's <laughs> It, it, Great she's, impression. Yeah. With Hecky, she's very, um, she's very, she's very keen to point out that actually, do you know what? She, what? What I love about Joanna Lumley is she, she will talk about how they didn't, she didn't, they didn't have much money, or she didn't have much money certainly yeah. for a long time. But she very, very keenly describes herself as skint. She was, yes. uh, she was like not poor because I've seen poverty. Yeah. She's. She's, you know, she's been to plenty of the world. She's travelled a lot. She's made most of these things into documentaries. Yeah. But uh, she's, she very much does, you know, she's very keen to make sure she draws a difference between being skint and poverty. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Right. Really and, and And really important. And you can, you can tell with so much of the things that she's done, how much she really does care about helping people. Yeah. Charities. She's got a, really altruistic back catalogue of, of work, hasn't she? Absolutely. And, uh, it sounds like a lot of, it was a lot to do with etiquette yes. and, mm. you know, being a lady. Yeah. Um, you know, and not that it's an affectation, her, her, her voice, but, but a lot of it is probably her training. It's interesting though, because I, you know, I'm from Somerset and I, and you're from Devon, Tom, right? And, yeah. and, and I, I, I have always spoken like this. I sound a lot. It, I probably don't sound posh, but I definitely sound posher than I am. And to I people in Somerset, you sound posh, probably. That I, you know, yeah, by 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 West Country standards, my voice is posh sounding, and I, and I don't know why I speak. <laughs> why do I speak <laughs> like do this? I, I don't speak? know. Um, yeah, it's it's something so personal to you, isn't it? The way you speak, and it feels like such an attack when someone comes for, comes for the way you speak. I think because it's you can't 
you can, you know, with training, whatever, you can control your timbre, you can mm. learn a different dialect. And that's what RP is, really, isn't it? It's a dialect that they, they were all taught you had to had to sound like that to get work. My dad's well, obsessed with it as well. Yeah. In terms of his accent, because he's got a quite broad northern accent, and certainly was broader back in the day. But he he's convinced, and I think was told on several occasions, that he lost jobs, lost work, because he had a northern accent. Right. Still counts, doesn't it? Like, you still have this assumption about someone, even now they got a northern accent there's certain people that just assume that you're less educated less bright yeah. less wealthy all sorts of stuff stupid yeah doesn't mean anything it's just how you talk but i think what she's probably sensitive about or what people are picking up on is she's got the the it's the voice of colonialism isn't it she grew up in mm. uh, india hong kong malaya as it was like she's got this the voice of of, of empire and it's and mm. that's, that's it has that kind of uh roundness to it that means that you can if you speak like joanna you can go into any officer's mess in any of these countries and you're from nowhere it's like she's saying you know um cash you're not really from anywhere if you're in the army because you are of everywhere mm. but what you are not is specifically i don't know like from london or from devon or wherever like you don't have a regional accent you have the the, the language of empire yeah. which you kind of wear with you wherever you go the trappings of colonialism yes we're going to get into joanna's relationship to india and indeed the less than fabulous goings on of her ancestors in india much later uh, but for now let's just track back a little bit to the convent school in hastings uh, joanna says poverty chastity and obedience were the rules of the nuns so joanna has a famously high iq but she left school without fabulous grades maybe I'm just putting it out there. If the nuns have been a bit less full on about the chastity and obedience and actually, I don't know, like shown some really intelligent women how to pass exams, the grades would have been better. She attended the Lucy Clayton School of Modelling. Uh, this is referred to as a finishing school on Wikipedia, where we do the large proportion of our research. Uh, potentially, there was a bit of squeamishness around the word modelling, maybe, because of the um, the Profumo affair with Christine Keeler. Joe, have you been finished? Have I been finished? Recently? Um... <laughs> No, no, sadly not. But the, um, have I been finished? Do you know all of that, all of that nonsense of of and, it, and of gendered classes and and, mm. and, and and or subjects rather gender. Um, you know, women women must darn things yeah. and men dig and all, you know whatever. <laughs> uh, it, oh, it's nonsense. Isn't it? Isn't it nonsense? <laughs> Been out digging. No, it is. It is nonsense, and it's it's so interesting to look at people like Joanne Lumley who are still, you know, very much with us, who grew up in such a fucking different time. Mm. We all think about the sixties being like basically hair, but that's nineteen sixty nine. We think of it as representing the hippies, but that's like right at the end of the decade. The sixties was really the fifties. Yeah, and the fifties was a lot just of after the war. The decades that you remember or the decades that go enter into popular culture, the spirit of that is largely at the end of each decade. Yeah. If you listen to John Lumley's Desert Island Disc with Parky, Parky, all he wants her to do is to tell him when she got fit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want, do you listen and to I'm, it? I've listened. I've listened. Yes, yeah. I love Desert Island Discs. Anyway, I've listened yeah. to both of Lumley's episodes. But the um, also I've seen uh, the, the interviews on Michael Parker's yeah. TV show. And all he wants to talk about is whether or not she's had a bum lift. I mean, <laughs> in one from the it's from this in the seventies. I mean, you've seen the you've seen the Michael Parkinson Helen Mirren. No, no, I don't think I have. No. Oh, creepy, creepy! Watch them. Just it's oh. all all he wants to talk about is women's their their beauty. Is it difficult being a beautiful woman? Is it difficult having big breasts? Is it yeah. like into? It's just 
I don't want to say it was a different time. It was a creepy time, is what I'll say. Yeah. Well, you know what? I was going to make a sort of slightly sarky joke about that and leave it at that. But actually, I'm going to go off. Go off. Because it, that is so f- and fucking annoying as well, because there's so many of that generation now tell us that the media has lost its way and that yeah. the, the inanity that they always point out in yeah. this style of... Uh, reportage and certainly the stuff in terms of gossip but uh, more pop culture centered stuff uh, than the news for example although they've got problems with that as well but like this whole like idea that like somehow we're dumbing down fucking hell there's an interview with two incredible people and all he wants to talk about is their ass yeah like fuck them next time they say that literally at one point in the desert under she just has to go do you mean when did i become pretty <laughs> <laughs> like, she actually says she calls yeah, him out yeah. good for her and then once he's ascertained that that was sort of at school then he's like <laughs> how did you get it into your pretty little head that you wanted to be an actress Joe, uh, when did you get it into your pretty little head you want to be an actress I got it I got it into my pretty little head very young because my my father who is an accountant but in another I think in another life he would have loved to do what we do which is make no money from <laughs> things um, but I I did Amdram in Somerset from the age of I think seven or whenever they would I think that was the age I could join and my my uh, my my mum and dad always remind me that at primary school I'd come from, I'd come home from school I'd go and I put my I'd go and put my tights on upstairs my little acting tights put my tights on and I'd just sit and wait for my dad to get home from work because I wanted to walk with him to the post box to post all of his work letters and then we'd go and do Amdram and I just oh, as soon as I got home from school I put tights on and <laughs> if that doesn't sum me up I you know I <laughs> oh my god that just made my womb vibrate oh I really and I'd use, little boy <laughs> you know me and uh, me and my I've got a younger brother and we'd I'd always make him do dress up in the garden and we we'd always do the Wizard of Oz uh, and but I would be Dorothy the lion the scarecrow and the tin man and I would let him be a munchkin <laughs> excellent great I love that yeah I had a, a theater my granddad made me a little model theater with all of the sets and all of the characters to do my own put on uh Wizard of Oz so I played all the parts it is very sort of satisfying in an odd way to look because I look back at the last 10 or 12 years of my life and I've, mm-hmm. I've hated every decision I made but then before that going further further ago I was quite a nice kid I think oh, I, bet you I lost it so I lost it to alcohol for 12 years but then uh, here I am I'm back I'm eating a scone there we go see that, that is interesting though isn't it like as much as that we're all going through a, a really shitty time in human history that is something interesting you've discovered about yourself mm. in this process I have rediscovered recently all of the things I loved as a as a child. Yeah. Cuz I loved baking and I loved I really enjoyed cleaning as a kid Were and you, bake, and, you know what? <laughs> as we as weird I know but like dancing and singing <laughs> musical theater and every all of these all of these things that I loved as a child that then something and it does it does lead back to this Joanna Lumley topic of yeah. what is what is for boys and what is for girls and yeah. I, don't, I don't let's not get into a big old chat about the complexities of gender, there are more than two. But in terms of this, this, this sex side of things, yeah, the boys yeah. and girls, and the, what are boy things and what are girl things? Yeah. And a lot of the things that I really loved as a child um, were typically, I'm doing air quotation marks, girl things, singing, dancing. Me and my mum used to do tap dancing lessons together. Oh, and then you get, I obviously reached a point where enough people said to me oh boys don't do that or or you get people call you gay a lot at school don't they yeah you go well yeah funny that isn't it but 
I, it's, I, and, and like now I've got really, really long hair. I had really quite long hair as a kid. Did you? And that was, I must have, all of these things pile on you, I think, of what, what is appropriate and what isn't. And I just stopped doing all of these things I loved yeah. for so long. And I've just rediscovered them during lockdown. And I'm really happy about that. I love that. And I, yeah. And I think that. Shedding that the, the layers that have, have been, yeah, they've been put, like you said, put on top of you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Joanna Lumley, in her own way, although I do think recently she's said some, we'll probably come on to it, some yeah. relatively controversial things about women and young girls mm. um but i but as a rule i think she is one the reason i think she is a diva is because she did she does defy certain aspects of what you know what 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 women should be although she yeah. did all the modeling and everything else yeah. she also you know in the jumped on a helicopter and did her own stunts and all of this stuff yeah which exactly a long time ago when women didn't really do that yeah. now of course everybody you know do but yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think she she was doing things that were not gender typical during the time, which was almost like, right, okay, we, everyone's just sort of just back now. We've got a generation that haven't been to a war and I want women making sandwiches and looking pretty and the boys can dig. Uh, yeah, because, because women in the war were quite... They, they defied quite a lot of those. I yeah. mean, obviously, there was a lot of people that were back, you know, back on the home front. But yeah. also, like, a lot of driving ambulances. The Queen was a fucking mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That yeah. kind of stuff. And then, yeah, I guess the generation, they had those kids and then went, okay, back to the kitchen you go. Shoehorn you back into this. Yeah. But also because she was a tall girl, I think she uh, had an interesting kind of uh, way she could expect at school. She played, she got into acting and she did lots of the men roles. Oh. Got, mm. got to wear a tash. Uh, prop queen Petruchio wasn't it that was the yeah, that was the Petruchio yeah is that the Taming of the Shrew isn't yeah, it yeah yeah I don't know very well but that well, it's one of the most misogynistic ones it's the one where he, where she comes in and, and it, he's like look I pr- let me prove how I've I've tamed her and she says put, put my shoe on put your, on your on hand. hand or something all that kind of shit there we go how did 10 things I heard about you turn out so good <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah she's there's an interesting engagement with that isn't it this this bit in the in the parky the first one made me howl. Um, so it's recorded in eighty seven and Ab Fab comes out in ninety two. But Parky Parky observes, you're quite a good comedian. <laughs> I mean, I hate comedian at the best of times, yeah. which is a bit contradictory because I do prefer actress to actor because I think it is a different career for women. So arguably, comedian would by my own logic make more sense just something so, about the word though isn't it's it it's just so fucking like it, it smacks of word. yeah it's like so someone in a Bernie Inn would be like oh so you're a comedian I don't know it's, it's just so like, it's like every middle aged man that's ever made fun of a woman for daring to want to be funny exactly exactly and it's just such a it, the irony of it is so it's so tangible when you think about what we know really know Joanna Lumley for which is Pat yeah and it does yeah. feel like like comedian does feel very much like that I don't usually find women funny but, yeah exactly yeah you know. you're a bit of a laugh aren't you for a girl it's also like Parky's just come out of this fug where he's she's been talking but he's just been staring at her <laughs> yeah. and then she's accidentally said something that's made him laugh and he's gone hello you're quite funny actually for a pair of tits <laughs> Anyway, uh, as he rightly deduced, people fancied Joanna and that helped to sell clothes for designers. Uh, Joanna dutifully talks to him about her modelling career, saying she was never a proto-supermodel of the Twiggy or Jean Shrimpton mould, but she was constantly working. 
And so this is something I want to talk about. So she's, she does talk quite a lot about the pressure to be thin. And it's obviously part of the, sort of the 60s aesthetic, isn't it? Mm. But it's also a hugely underscoring anxiety for a lot of performers. And there's an interview with her when she's 22, which is amazing. I'm sure you've seen it, Joe. And she talks about Twiggy and she says about, mm. she's like, well, people like Twiggy who can eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, and eat making the distinction between the fact that she, she keeps calling herself a bird as well, which is hilarious. And all, all these other birds who can eat and eat and eat. It, implying that she can't, basically. She has to really starve yeah, herself. Yeah, she said, I, I'll blow up like a horse or something. Yes, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so... I mean, obviously, like, AbFab makes quite a lot of, like, what would probably be seen as unwoke jokes, actually, about eating disorders and stuff now. But um, I think it's really interesting that she, in the 60s, was sort of saying, some people have got this body, but actually most of us have to really fucking work to look like this. And everyone yeah. wants us to look like them. Yeah, and it's, it's easy for them, but it's not for me. I don't know much about Twiggy. Did she sort of... Um formulate that desire for that sort of woman as in yeah. like was it because obviously clearly what Jan is saying is she's naturally very very thin yeah so did she, everyone go Twiggy's the supermodel so everyone has to be incredibly thin or was she did Twiggy come out of a desire for everyone to be thin that as in that was the, the well, style Twi- no she she defined that look Twiggy was right it was a people says bully bullied her oh you little Twiggy Twiggy legs and then she sort of like made it into yeah, that's cool Twiggy became something that's very drag very drag you're right there are, there are there are some very problematic things in AbFab with regards um, eating disorders but I think also, it does also send up a lot of Joanna Lumley's early modelling career because obviously yeah. all of her knowledge and everything Jennifer Saunders took that and was like I'm going to mine that and yeah. put it in and I think um, I think Patsy eats twice across the entirety of abfab in one episode <laughs> in one episode she eats a uh, potato crisp um and i think starts gagging i can't remember and then and then on, on a christmas episode she asks for a slight a small slice of turkey or something and and eats that and then immediately starts gagging and throwing up it's it, it's a bit of a it, it i think i think that possibly now by by 2020 standards it wouldn't yeah it it feels it often does feel like it's it's not aged well but i think probably for jo- jennifer saunders and joanna it's a female heavy show exactly they, yeah. they are sending up that environment she grew up in it in, in the 60s and 70s yeah so i think you have to allow a little bit for that as well, well it's totally satire agree. that's the whole yeah. thing that's, yeah yeah exactly uh, what was quite remarkable about joanna as an icon of the 60s is that by 21 she was a single mother to jamie uh, in 1967 this was not the done thing To quote Joanna, I have never felt the constraints of social acceptability, but friends have hinted at the difficulties that being an unmarried mum in the 60s presented to both her personal life and her career. Uh, She didn't reveal the identity of Jamie's father, Michael Clayden, a photographer, for many years. Speaking to The Guardian, Joanna spoke about her experience. Doctors had told me I could never have children, so I went on working until I was six months pregnant because they kept saying I wasn't pregnant. Jamie was born at seven and a half months. It was a miracle for me. My parents were fantastic grandparents until they died and really looked after me when I was destitute and pretty ill after having my baby. Motherhood changed everything in a second. In my case, I would have been happy giving birth to a rat, but to have a baby boy. He was terribly ill and small and premature and in the hospital for six weeks on a ventilator. It's amazing, isn't it? It is. She she has... I've, I've, I've seen some interviews from a little bit later on than that time, but yeah. where she really... She really does make a point of saying it does. We do not. Is it what is, is it a nuclear family? A nuclear yeah. whatever, whatever the two point four. You know, yeah. father. 
it she says it doesn't matter as long as that child is loved it can be it could be two women a bunch of crazy women who cares yeah as long as that child love is 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 loved and that you know i think for, gorgeous at a time when people were i mean people still are incredibly traditional and conservative yeah but especially then they were and she was up there saying no i'm doing a good job yeah my son loved absolutely yeah. it was still like again as we've been saying like it was a, it was not the decade we think of it as being but um the, the ken loach film kathy come home was in 66 and kathy is married in that but it's still about raising a child in um without money and how difficult that is and how um kathy is under under pressure to provide and stuff so i think it's like it's quite interesting that joanna was doing that completely on her own uh, with, with her parental support of course I, I take that back she was not on her own at all but in the eyes of society she was on her own mm. and and she, she just made it work and that's amazing and worked and worked worked her tits off yeah absolutely she had a good run of early roles alongside raising jamie uh, she played english girl in on her majesty's secret service for instance <laughs> In 1969, in the Parkey interview and in an address to the Oxford Union, she talks with really rare candour about how hard it is to be a jobbing actor. You could compare her comments to Tom Hiddleston's advice to aspiring thesps, uh, which is looking in the mirror and chanting, Eton, Cambridge, Rada. Eton, Cambridge, Rada. In contrast, uh, Lumley, like an actual human being, talks about hard graft, knocking on doors and occasionally taking whatever pays the fucking rent. One of the many things that I adore about Joanna Lumley is that she says, oh, I lied. Oh, I lied so much. Yeah. <laughs> People said, have you done Shakespeare? I said, darling, I've done it all. You know, and, <laughs> he, and she, oh, she just sort of, she, she, like, I love that quote, I've, um, I've never felt the constraints of social acceptability. It's wonderful, Because she it? said in, a, in an interview at the um, BFI with uh, Reverend Richard Coles. Oh, yeah. Um, she said, I didn't want to go to university. I didn't want to learn. I wanted to wear red lipstick and drive an open-topped car around Italy. Yes. And I thought, textbook, Holly Morgan, isn't it? But, <laughs> and I, I adore her for, for saying she'll speak her mind and uh, yeah. about, how, about her struggles and also about, about how brilliantly she did in the face of, of certain, you know, struggles. Yeah. Not, that, not that I don't want to send single parenthood up as like woe is me struggling but but she at a time like you say when she was in, that was atypical or, or not not accepted maybe in the same way exactly she was like i'm gonna well i'm gonna lie myself in and i'll lie myself to the top yeah. why not exactly um, Exactly. All the great stories have doing that, though, don't they? Yeah, true. And I think we all feel the need, and it's and I, I think it's absolutely right to do this to assimilate people's struggles within the context of larger struggles. Because so you know, obviously, Joanna Lumley, being an incredibly beautiful white woman who sounds like that and is clearly from a, I mean, not a, she's from a, a middle class background, if not, you know, upper middle, yeah. upper middle to well, army, isn't army it? class. You know, she's not. Other people had it harder. However, she took those hard, the hardships in her way and made positives out of them. And as we'll talk about later, that didn't mean she wasn't uh, inured to other people's struggles as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so she was briefly married in 1970 to an actor called Jeremy Lloyd, which ended because they they literally only known each other for two weeks. Uh, she describes the decision to marry as being as mad as a box of frogs. So that's the end of that. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Although they were, they were married from, well, maybe maybe it was just that the divorce wasn't finalised, but it was May, May to September of the same year, wasn't it? 
Brilliant. <laughs> this is insane. We should we need to get we need to get divorced. She had a brief stint on Corrie in 1973 as Ken Barlow's girlfriend. Uh, she did some theatre, but she was generally, as we've said, just skint uh, for nine years. And then one year, apparently, she earned just sixty quid. Sixty quid. Yeah. Even in old money, that's not a lot. No. Yeah. Even back then. Yeah. We can all relate, though, can't we? <laughs> oh God, hard relate. Can we just? <laughs> but at thirty years old, this is it. She gets a mainstream TV success as the spy Purdy in the New Avengers in 1976. She had to test three times to get the role, as the producers weren't fans of her work. Uh, the Avengers starring Dame Diana Rigg as Emma Peel had been a great hit and Purdy received a rather mixed response. Toby Miller writes, The new Avengers made a very public and lengthy search for a leading woman. Joan Bakewell likened the eventual choice, Lumley, as Purdy, to a hockey captain attending a royal garden party. Richard Afton went far enough to remark that sex has taken a long holiday and Lumley looked back on it from the queer libertarian feminist credibility of Abfab to describe her Purdy as a huge disappointment sex-wise. Writing of Purdy's debut, Alan Hayes in Avenger World, The Avengers in Our Lives, says Purdy was certainly no Emma Peel and her sharp tongue and habit of intentionally making life difficult for Gambit flew in the face of the warm mutual respect between Steed and Peel. So I found that she grated somewhat. My opinion of her would eventually soften considerably. So what we're seeing here... (laughs) Is this obsession with actresses and sex appeal, again, mm. and the aversion to bossy. That's what it is, isn't yeah. it? It's like, oh, who's this coming in new on my lovely TV show and telling men what to do? No thanks. Do, do we know Diana Rigg's book? No. She did a, 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 a speaking tour of it as well. Uh, it's a book of her collected worst reviews from her theatre days. Oh, yeah. And it's called, and I think the award goes for the best title of all time, No Turn Unstoned. Very good. Rig. Dame Diana. Yeah. Dame Diana. I mean, Dame Diana, she, not, her, her turn in Game of Thrones is wonderful. Oh, campus is long. In, in extras with uh, Daniel Radcliffe flicks a condom onto her head. She's <laughs> up for anything. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, I mean, like, what? Yeah, Joanna Lumley versus Diana Rigg. I, I, I see them as. I can see why they would they'd be bracketed together in the same role ish. It's basically the same part, isn't it? Purdy and, and Emma Peel. It's like posh totty. Mm-hmm. What does spying? Yeah, um, spies and jodpers. But something about her clearly rattled a few of the TV critics for some reason. Yeah, I've, I'm 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 not overly familiar with the Avengers or the new Avengers. Yeah, or that, but I I I've seen some interviews where she's talking about it. Yeah. And Purdy, the purdy haircut which i'm sure you'll tell Big me all deal. About. yeah i mean it was just like a sort of bowl cut wasn't it It was like the rachel before the rachel well those are the two uh the two haircuts aren't they that people yeah. people yeah, and joanna lemley is responsible now th- that haircut was done by two young hairdressers she couldn't afford it was her idea to have it cut right um, and they eventually okayed it um but she couldn't afford to get you know the main hairdresser to cut her hair so you used to go to the assistants who were cheaper and would do it and practice and the and uh, she said there was a a young man with black hair and a young man with uh, ginger hair who did this purdy haircut for her and the young man with black hair was john frieda <laughs> and the young man with ginger hair was nikki clark no way of their careers they were responsible for that haircut oh, oh fabulous God. knowledge i live for that <laughs> and also like i've read again i don't really know much about the avengers i, I guess that um you see I mean, the film with uma thurman 
Was it Uma Thurman? I thought it was Liz. Didn't Liz Hurley have a track a go at it as well? That's Austin Powers. Oh, sure. Not the All same I thing. know is I watched Avengers Assemble. She wasn't in it and I was gutted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be great. If Where's Lumley and Rig? <laughs> Where are they? She in that big iron suit. I read something about it because it basically made her a household name, I think. It made her really mm. famous. And she was talking about being in the bakers in Crouch End, which I see would be Dunn's, the bakery sidebar uh and she was queuing up and some woman said to her don't you look like that purdy and she was like oh you know oh, oh really uh she's like yeah but you wish she had her money though yeah um, but then, she didn't make very much no she didn't make very much money at all from that she said um in the in the whole two two series or whatever it was 20 26 episodes she she never made enough to pay off her overdraft or whatever a loan or something yeah well, yeah. she did say on, about the Avengers that there was one scene where she was supposed to grab hold of a ladder extended down from a, a helicopter or something. Anyway, her, they have stunt people to yeah. do certain. So they said, "Oh, Joanna, we don't need you for a bit. We're going to do this helicopter stunt. Go and sit in the car because she didn't have a, they didn't have trailers or anything. She just went and sit in the car. She had a little nap, and somebody rat, rat, rattled on the window and, and said, Joanna, actually, we we do need you.'" And she went, "Oh, oh, right, okay." And she went. And they said, right, Joanna, we just need you to grab hold of that ladder uh, attached to the helicopter um, and uh, we're going to just fly the helicopter around. You just grab hold of it. Um, watch your feet, though, because we are going quite close to, to, the, to the tops of the houses and things. Um, and she went, well, OK, all right, I suppose I'll do that. And she went around, you know, two or three miles on this, grabbed hold of the helicopter and they filmed it. And, they, and she came back and apparently all the crew and all the stunt people were like, we didn't think you'd do that. <laughs> Nobody else would do that. Your stunt double wouldn't do it. And she went, oh, well, you know, I suppose I'm all right. That'll look good, will it? Okay. <laughs> oh, God, I love her so much. That's amazing. Oh, oh, that's fabulous. She went on to have some further TV success in Sapphire and Steel, ITV's answer to Doctor Who. Uh, strap in for this hot madness. <laughs> They're a proto Mulder and Scully supernatural crime-solving unit, but they're aliens. <laughs> It was even mooted by Sidney Newman, one of the originators of Doctor Who, that Joanna could play the Doctor, but that obviously got kicked into touch because misogyny. Uh, interestingly, in 1999, she appeared in the comic relief Doctor Who parody, The Curse of Fatal Death, as female Doctor. So I'm going to yeah. say she's the first female Doctor Who. Don't well, take that away from... <laughs> I won't take that away from Jodie. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's uh, Hugh Grant turns into Joanna Lumley. <laughs> After after Rowan Atkinson has been the Doctor or something, and then the first the first thing she says when she becomes when it when it is Joanna Lumley, she she sort of looks at her own breaths and goes, "Oh, I've got a ferric beam locators," <laughs> and then Safi off Abfab is like, "No, no, those are those are real breasts," and she goes, "Are you sure? Are you sure? I think I can find the on switch." <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and then and then she gets her sonic screwdriver out and plays with it and says, "Oh, it's got three settings." <laughs> buzzing away in her hand and then falls in love with Jonathan Price's The Master and off they go it's great she's quite a good comedian oh very good <laughs> sadly that was probably all written by Richard Curtis so. oh never mind mm. or not as the case may be oh yeah <laughs> if yesterday's anything to go by you just nicked it excellent so yeah Joanna in 1986 after what she describes as an excruciatingly long courtship Joanna married conductor Stephen Barlow the love of her life telling Parky that for her life really had begun at 40 which is nice. That's really nice. Yeah. Do they have any kids? No, she's just got Jamie. Beautiful. What I love about their relationship mm. is because she often, obviously, she goes off for months at a time traveling. Yeah. Mm. And she never phones home. 
Does she not? No, she says that's not what it's about. I'm having a lovely time. He knows what he's doing. He's he's a busy man. I send postcards, and then I come home again to him. And I, I you know, I think that's really wonderful. I love that. Away. You wouldn't well, be like that, would you? They're, they're so like that, secure. No. They're, 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 so they're, she, she's so proud of him. You can tell him anytime she speaks about her husband, how proud and and excited by his very different. You know, is it conducting opera conducting? Yeah, is yeah, it opera? yeah. I mean, that's one thing you get from a desert islandist. She really likes classical music as well. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not, a, it's not a pop culture banger. Oof, no. um, but yeah, that is good. Maybe I wonder here, a little pet theory, is her attitude that like that of a soldier from like her ancestors that you wouldn't have, you'd go off and you'd do your tour or whatever and then you'd come home and see him when you saw him. And she's got the work ethic. Yeah. She is, yeah. yeah that makes sense. Quite military, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Oh, I'm obsessed with her. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'd kill myself if you didn't ring me after the first hour. Yeah. <laughs> so we've tracked J Lum's journey to fame, but we are secure, just to be very clear. Um, we're locked into this podcast now, unfortunately. I'd hope so, because I spent a lot of money coming to your wedding. <laughs> oh, it's finally reared its ugly head again. It's been ages since we mentioned our own wedding on the pod. <laughs> Which is in Italy and had a pool. <laughs> it was in a castle. Keep going. Listeners might also... <laughs> Listeners might actually remember that Joe was the subject of an anecdote I think we told in like the first or second episode mm. ever in which uh, your mum called him a Johnny Depp looking cunt. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we've I, tried- also, I fell asleep um, very early on the evening of your wedding yes, and uh, went into somebody else's bedroom, <laughs> fell asleep in, in, in their toilet. Somebody, somebody flicked water on me to try and wake me up. And then I did, I think, was it you, Tom? And you and Sasha came in at some point yeah. and I woke up and went, I think I fell in the toilet. <laughs> Because someone had thrown water on him. Crying. (laughs) Imagine being so drunk at seven in the evening. You're crying. Graham De La Cruz put himself in a big urn, didn't he? He did. He got in a pot. I will put that up on the the, uh, Insta, I reckon. The the pic of him in the pot. (laughs) It's probably the greatest picture ever taken. (laughs) It really is. We spent a lot of money on those photos. Please tell me that's not your favourite photo from the wedding. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) <laughs> so we've tracked Jay Lum's journey to fame. Let's take a little break. Uh, in the before, Joe, we would have given you a little extra snack because we'd be extra. But what do you reckon it would have been if we'd been able to give it to you? A little Jay Lum themed snack. Oh, if I were there, yeah. If we were allowed, what would we be if having? We were in the same place. Good. Can you imagine? Goodness. Um, what would you? Well, ideally, some mayonnaise. Yeah. Um, and a little. What about some, a little, little bit of horse meat? A blown up horse like Joanna Lumley. Oh, love. Yeah, why not? We were going to go with white wine and cigs, but um... hey, yeah, because I'm not a bolly man. No, I'm not. I'm not a big bolly man. So I'd have I'd have white wine, please. <laughs> white wine, cigarettes, and mayonnaise. That's me. <laughs> That's Should be the your... name of your memoir. <laughs> white wine, cigarettes, and mayonnaise. <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk about Ab Fab. Let's take a little break. Hey. Right, we're back, and now we're allowed to discuss AbFab. Uh, I'm not going to bother explaining the premise of AbFab to this listenership. Uh, let's just talk about what we love about it for ages. <laughs> um, what, what, do we, what do we love about it? Why is it so funny? Because it's us. Yeah. Because those characters are us. Yeah. Because I, some of, I mean, some of the quotes uh, oh. from that show. What are you going to drink if you give up drinking? <laughs> Water. <laughs> Darling, darling, no, that's a that's a mixer. We have it with whiskey. Great. It's so Hello, good. Hello, Morgan. 
Oh, do you know what? The day after the first episode aired, and this is no word of a lie, my pet, my phone, and my family home ran off the hook. Of people being like, "Are you going to sue?" <laughs> to your mum. Yeah. The operative word being sue. Yeah. And the implication being that I was Safi, and I would have been like seven. So, like, I don't. Th- I think that's a bit unfair. Your you, your mm. judgy cunty daughter. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, in the pool, you Johnny Depp looking cunt. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah exactly. Because uh, she was, uh, who, your, is it? I can't remember the name of your mum's friend. Is it a binky or something? Tiddles. Bubbles. Tiddles. Tiddles. Yeah. The two of them were. I was alone by the pool, cover it, covered myself with a towel to try and. I was so hungover because of the one free, free wine that you put on at your wedding, and. I was just the only one by the pool. Yes, thank you for mentioning it. <laughs> your mum and her friend jumped in, and they just—they all I could hear from underneath my towel was "Sir, Sir," just <laughs> flashing me, "Sir." Fantastic. <laughs> oh. But that's what it is, isn't it? That's why it's so—it's—it's it's grown-ups behaving badly. It's silly, yeah. funny women dicking about, being completely outrageous and mm. um extra and outre and everything else that's a bit fat it is absolutely fabulous it's so, it yeah. is and men it, behaving badly as well isn't it because mm. the premise is sort of the same and it is uh, if they're behaving badly but it's like women have gone oh god we're so much better than this new goons yeah <laughs> like this is how women behave badly and it's just fucking everything it's that postmodern thing as well that joe mentioned like the fact that they, it's you know pat's character is 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 the 60s and they draw so heavily on Joanna's experiences and I mean apparently like um, Jennifer Saunders really does like put people she knows in it like Lynn Franks the PR woman who is who is Eddie was like was very personally offended they'd been like on holiday the summer before it came out and her family were like you can't just put our mum in a sitcom you can't do that yes she can and she can she did change the name you can't see them do it very well yeah but and also the, all the supporting cast are brilliant. I mean, you've got this jewel in the crown of Eddie and Pat's, which is just you know you could watch them do anything. And then you've got like June Whitfield's character and and Jane Horrocks and and uh, Julius Holland. They're all the five J's. They're all J's. Joanna, yeah. Joanna, Jennifer, June, Jane, and uh, Julia. God, that must have been a hell of a call sheet. Yeah. Actually, keyboard got stuck on that one. Um, yeah, I just imagine. Oh, and Joanna's look. Can we just have a have a chat about Pat's? The beehive, the sneer, the, re- the 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 red lips, the black eye, and the fag, iconic. Well, I think like Joanna Lovely is is very uh, from all the interviews that I've seen. She first first things first. She always credits Jennifer Saunders for yeah. how excellent it is, and I I just think that that is that is wonderful um, and probably very appropriate. Yeah. But but she also she's you know back in the, back when it started early nineties whenever it was, and people were saying. Do you know these these people are awful, and she's like, oh, "Yes, darling, that's the point." Yes, not, you know, we're not saying we don't we're not saying these are good things. We're saying that inside every yeah. woman is 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 the want to be a bit more like this. Yes, you know? exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, I think that there is a um, you know how Stuart Lee talks about how Stuart Lee is a character that yeah. Stuart Lee plays. Yeah. And I think that Joanna Lumley has that. And Joanna Lumley mm. is a character that Joanna Lumley plays in interviews because, because I think that actually she's quite a deeply private person. And we, I, I couldn't find out much about her, apart from she has a lovely relationship with her husband. Yeah. 
you know, they're relatively private. But she she's got quotes, Joanna Lumley, in interviews of saying, "Oh, I'm I'm fabulously stupid and shallow as a puddle. No point going into psychotherapy or anything. There'd be nothing to find." <laughs> now, that can't be true. No, she can't. She also that. opened up about her own depression, and she yeah. talks a lot about loneliness, and she she cares, and those are things that she thinks about. So I think that there is a there is a persona of Joanna Lumley. A diva, a diva-esque persona that is somewhere somewhere between what Joanna Lumley probably actually is at home and Patsy Stone, because that is her defining role, right? Yeah. And mm. and, and I think she's a, she, in interviews, is the perfect blend. I totally agree. She's just well aware that she needs to give the people what they want. Yeah. She's yeah. not afraid to do that. Also, I think when you, when you play a character for as long as, as she did and you become so like inexorably linked to it you can't help but having the rhythms of their speech infect your speech especially when the character has been drawn from you as well so yeah. actually where patsy began slash ended and joanna begins slash ends yeah are both very very complex you know yeah interesting a bit of a mess point. isn't it yeah fabulous, yeah fabulous really. the actual the first three seasons were filmed in front of a live studio audience uh, and they were rehearsed on the set, which Joanna loved because it was like a theatre gig. So Patsy Stone is one of the greatest and best loved comedic creations of all time. And that is not in question. Uh, for a great account of it, Kirsty Young's Desert Island Disc, I think, really fills in the gaps in that in that whole era defining part, you know, that, that era of British comedy. Um, she won. Five, she was nominated for five BAFTAs and won three, as well as a British Comedy Award for the role. She also... Ooh. She also... She shouldn't have done, but she also um, presented the BAFTAs last 2019. Oh, God. She got she got destroyed in the press for her presentation of the BAFTAs oh, last year. Oh, God, no. What did she it, do? I mean, she told terrible, terrible jokes. Oh. They are awful. Watch it. Watch the YouTube clip of it. I mean, I, you oh. know, I love her. She's trying. She's, she's, but the, oh, no. Oh, it, God. It, you, you can hear a pin drop in that room after each, almost each and every joke. Let's be honest, it wasn't the worst thing about those BAFTAs, was it? <laughs> the lack of female directors, the lack Nothing. of anyone of colour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. yeah. Reset yourself, industry. So Joanna had numerous TV roles, aside from Pat's, including a Tony-nominated turn on Broadway in La Bette with Mark Rylance and David Hyde Pierce in 2010. And Tom's coincidence, oh. I went to see that on the Ooh. Broadway... On Broadway? And because I was in a box seat, because it was an almost empty house, Ms. Lumley came and sat next to me. Stop it. Because <gasps> there's a bit in the show in which she appears up in one of the boxes and, oh and shouts down to the audience. God. So she, about te- five minutes before she had to do the bit, she has to come up and sit in the box so that when she goes from the balcony, everyone turns and looks and she sat in one of the boxes next to some <gasps> audience members. And I was said audience member. What did oh. she smell like? She smelled like cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I never, yeah, you know, she like said about her, own, about her own smoking. She said, oh, uh, this is Joanna Lumley, not Patsy. Yeah. She said, I, I do my bit with the smoking. I've smoked enough. I've probably, I've probably built three hospitals with my taxes on cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> See, she's paying for herself. Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. Oh. How do you concentrate? So, I've never seen her in the flesh. I've sat on Christopher Biggins' lap. That's That's close. That's a different thing. <laughs> oh god! We're not going to be doing so a podcast cool. on him, so no, don't go bringing that no. energy. No, Jeremy Irons is best man. Did you know that? You were. Stop it, Biggins. Biggins. Oh, Biggins. They went to Bristol Old Vic together. Yeah. Oh my god, that's hilarious. 
Biggins was Jeremy Irons' best man. I know he lives in one, but did he get married in a castle? Just because we did. Um, yeah, yeah, she was lovely. It was, yeah, she was, um, she was concentrating, oh. obviously, but she sort of came in and sort of went, don't worry, I'm meant to be here. <laughs> and then sat down, I was like, yeah, I didn't think you were taking a break. <laughs> didn't oh. think I'd accidentally sat in the green room. Oh, I love it. Yeah, she's great. Oh, she's wonderful. And it was a great show as well. Uh, uh, her yeah. distinctive voice also saw her become the voiceover queen long before Olivia Coleman and Martin Freeman. She purred so they could shut up. Oh, the voice. The, the voice. voice. The voice. <laughs> The you know, I and this is, I, I'm obviously James and the Giant Peach, but more than that, I think the reason I love Joanna Lumley is because my parents growing up had an AOL email address. Oh, she's the voice of AOL. She's isn't the voice she? of AOL, and, and I would just, I'd, I'd, oh, I'd log in and log out just to hear her say goodbye. <laughs> oh, you have me. Oh, oh my oh, God, we had AOL. Have, that man. is her voice. I never knew that. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. Oh, I can hear it now. Oh. She also very ironically did the voice of uh, the privilege car adverts, didn't she? Yes, oh. she did. <laughs> <laughs> the voice Not of privilege. Know thyself. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, uh, shall we talk about the Gurkhas? Mm. Yeah. So- the Gurkhas uh, are Nepalese soldiers with a reputation of being brave as literal fuck. Uh, and they end up fighting for the British. Very complicated, but they, they fight for the British. But then they weren't allowed the right to live here because, newsflash, we've not just started being disgusting, we've always been disgusting. Uh, Gordon Brown was PM at the time and cocked the whole thing up royally by giving Lumley his word that he would help the Gurkhas, which she revealed on TV a day before five former Gurkha soldiers got their application for UK residence turned down. So Joanna brought huge publicity to the Gurkha cause. The issue was that there was sort of there wasn't just one cause was there. It was kind of a it was a it was complicated. Mm. And uh, the very boiled down version, the British Gurkhas lived in Hong Kong and Malaysia and were given a pension that was pretty good for Nepal. Then Hong Kong was given back to China, which meant the Gurkhas came back to Britain and lived alongside British soldiers who they had served with. But the British soldiers were on much, much better pensions. And there were also some soldiers who didn't even get a pension at all because they'd served for less than 15 years. And it was mostly this group who found themselves in the UK, very unprepared financially, emotionally or socially to cope. Yeah. And the situation was definitely more complicated than the hazy Joanna Lumley's going on about the Gurkhas again version uh, that seemed to become part of the national conversation because the great British public are famously good at nuanced, calm conversation, uh, as are our tabloid newspapers the mail came for joanna accusing her of giving away all of our precious pensions to them foreigns Uh, the bloody government mounted a smear campaign claiming that she'd promised something that she couldn't deliver joanna kept stum not for any other reason than she'd been told to in order for the deal that had been brokered for the gurkhas to go through so joe why do you think the red tops turned on her over this like what what was what was what got them so riled up do you think i mean I, I wouldn't, I would first of all like to profess not to be an expert on anything to do with the movement of, of yeah. people and, and, <laughs> and the right. Because look, here's my, in my idealised version of the world, we could all go wherever we like and we'd be welcome. Yes. Um, you know, I, she, she did, she specific, I, I wish I could remember his name, but a, a, a particular Gurkha that she fought for who was a dear friend of her father's. Yeah. Um, and because and she grew up with these people and they were family yeah. to her. Yeah. And she is in, in Nepal. They refer to her as the daughter of Nepal. Yeah. Yeah. She's um, a huge. As, 
as a figure. Yeah. I yeah, I got a little confused, I have to be honest with you, reading around the Gordon Brown, yeah. Joanna Lumley side of things, because in in sort of some accounts, Gordon Brown was supposedly on side and then, yeah. and then it all turned. Joanna Lumley seems to have from uh, I can't find the quote I saw, but she seemed to speak quite positively of Gordon Brown, the man. Yeah. yeah. Gordon Gordon Brown and the government are mm. different, you know, a different matter ent- entirely. Honestly, but doesn't that I mean, entirely sum up that government? <laughs> yeah. Well, doesn't it just entirely sum up every bloody government we've had almost since since the war? Like, yeah. everybody, I mean, we're living through it now, yeah. where every every, well, every person over the age of 50 in Britain thinks they fought in the war. <laughs> and, and it's just this very, yeah, tunnel vision idea of what actually bloody happened in the world. And all of the people who have, I saw a tweet the other day that I loved, which was finally the British understand what it is to be ruled by the British. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and that is what we're going through at the moment, isn't it? And isn't it just turn up, take what you like, stick it in a museum and then don't let the, the people who actually owned it come back and see it. Exactly. It's, and, uh, you know, it's all of that is tied up with the, the absolutely abhorrent treatment of uh, members of uh, people that were, of countries that were part of the British Empire who yeah. fought and died and got no bloody thanks and actually actively people have argued they shouldn't get anything. They don't deserve anything. I was I don't want to go off on a rant. No. Because I've had I've had half a glass of wine now. But <laughs> let's not beat around the bush. This 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 country is institutionally racist. Yeah. And built upon racist uh, principles. And it's and so often is we we it's it's basically it's Schrodinger's immigrant, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, at, at the same time, stealing all of our jobs and sponging off the state, yeah, with aid. Like it's it's just. <laughs> I think what gets me is the fact that we it's there's never any kind of room for nuance. And Joanne mm. Lumney realised that some Gurkhas were have were, had not got what they deserved, and she fought for them to have the money and the respect that was owed to them. As a consequence, life got Im- like considerably better for a lot of people, and a lot of people who found themselves living in the UK and weren't prepared for it, and, and their standard of life did—they were better off before in Nepal. Nepal. Yeah, that is uh, like uh, unfortunate, deeply unfortunate. Yeah. But she the didn't main- set out for that to happen. I think no one's doubting no. Lumley's intentions were good. Uh, we should perhaps take on board that there is, and maybe have to forgive slightly that there is an element of white saviorism to this. Uh, but not cancel her as part of a more nuanced conversation. Yeah. Which is sort of the runner of this episode, I guess, is what we were talking about at the top, isn't it? The, yeah. the, the lack of nuance and the, the increasing uh, dedication to soundbite-based cancellation. It's just, yeah. you know, this is this is obviously very complicated. And reading through that article where she actually comes out about what happened is so interesting. It's like, it felt, it was really weird feeling, because I don't remember it at the time, but like, it felt like, I feel like reading it that like the journalist was like, oh my God, I've got a fucking scoop. And all I was doing was chatting to Lumley about, I think it's the Nile, mm. the program she's doing about the Nile. <laughs> and she's, she's been stum for two weeks at that point, I think, and not said anything. And she's been consistently like the press, like every day has basically been like fucking Lumley. She's fucked this up. What's she going to do about it? What's she going to say about it? And she's just said nothing. And the journalist rightly points. So she says, 
I don't want to talk about it, we're here to talk about the Nile. And she does it over and over again. And the journalist keeps going, yeah, but like two weeks ago, you couldn't shut up about the Gurkhas. And now you won't say anything about them, mm. what's going on. And eventually she goes, oh, you know what, fuck it. And just downloads the whole thing on the journalist. Yeah. And it's like, I couldn't say anything because it meant that the Gurkhas couldn't get their deal if I did. That's why I didn't say anything. It's so good. Oh, she's great. She's just everything. She's not, she's not afraid to put herself out there. And yeah. she's not. No, she's never been afraid to stand up for what she believes in. Which is a dangerous game if you're a British icon. Yeah, absolutely. And she's and 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 you know, people do not always get things right, um, but it feels like she is at least willing to acknowledge that not everything was right and that she might have played a small part in that. But she's not the the be all and end all of the problem. Of course, she isn't. No. And and her intention is good. My 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 issue with many politicians now and always is the intention isn't good in the first place so it actually doesn't matter what they do yes um, exactly yeah. well we will talk about the the garden bridge uh, shortly uh with or become uh, all too uh pertinent uh but i get the sense that with the tabloids coming for her it feels a bit like there's some historic sexy mum shit uh that they're like Oh, our sexy mummy has fucked up, hasn't she? Ugh, stupid sexy mummy. Dad was right about mummy all along. Yeah, she should have not should have just been pretty and done acting. And then the broadsheets are like not not forgiving her for being anything less than perfect because they love Patsy Stone. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, she can't really win. It's classic Madonna whore stuff. Everyone wants her to be their sexy mum. And she ha- can't be fallible, basically, in the eyes of the media. Uh, case in point so when she started doing the, her very successful side hustle doing travel shows uh, she mostly started with a link to her own family she did one about India which I don't want to say whitewashed the British Empire but it didn't not not go into some of the worst bits uh, it sort of glazed over a lot of the systematic oppression including some committed by her ancestors but there are some really great bits in Joanna Lumley's India there's a great bit with the Hijra so wonderful former guest Ishaladi playing played a member of the Hijra community in a Sevan K Green play The House of Inbetween which was at Stratford East a couple of years ago and for those of you who aren't familiar uh, Hijra are legally considered to be neither male nor female a third gender of India. And in April 2014, they were acknowledged by India's Supreme Court as a third gender. They've been an integral part of Hindu culture for over 400 years. They used to, um, they've been celebrated in Hindu texts and as entertainers and bringers of good luck, they'd often be invited to attend births and marriages. And there's a really lovely bit in the program where you see the warmth of Joanna's heart when she says to the Hijra, you are all my daughters. It's really beautiful however what she doesn't go into is that under british rule the hijra began to be excluded from society and faced punishment under the criminal tribes act of 1871 so it's like her intentions are so great but yeah she doesn't she doesn't fill in the gaps about mm. the, you know the persecution that that, uh, that made these people find themselves being marginalized it yeah. was it was our fault <laughs> the guardian yeah. the guardian did a review of it was really interesting it's, it's not really even a review it's more of a think piece uh, an investigative think piece about how they didn't really dig into the terrible things that lumley's family did in the name of the empire uh, james ag is her great 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 grandfather and an absolute prick 
uh, The Guardian discover long-lost records relating to four daughters by an unnamed mother, all left behind in Calcutta when he returned to Britain with his fortune. It was normal, in the age of the Nabob, for English soldiers to live with an Indian woman. Many children born of such unions were baptised, the Bengal records showing the circumstances of their birth, like the 1785 entry for the first Ag child, Hannah, natural daughter of Lieutenant James Ag of the Engineers. This is Joanna's great, 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 great grandmother, an Indian woman. It's interesting, isn't it? But I mean, just like the the remit for this programme, Joanna Lumley hasn't been told by ITV to go and do an expose of the Raj. She's mm. been told, can you make us a lovely travel programme about India? Didn't you yeah. tell me that Pat, they, they wanted Patsy to go? Oh, no, that's in, um, it's in the second... Desert Island Discs, I think she talks about it. Yeah. The original pitch was that the BBC wanted Patsy to go on tour. And they were like, can we just send Patsy on tour, basically? They just assumed that Joanna Lumley would just, like, roar around the world with cigarettes and bolly and just be like, oh, la, 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 which they actually did in the end because um, Saunders and Lumley did a programme a couple of years ago, didn't yeah. they, where they went to the, where they make, they went to the, went to Champagne. <laughs> and just tried loads of Champagne and they made a programme about it. Uh, but they just really wanted that. And she went okay, well, if you're going to give lots of money for me to go around the world, then maybe I would like to delve into this. And to be, to their credit, they gave her the freedom to do it. So Yeah, but like, what do you want from her? <laughs> yeah. Well, I also think to... to, to I mean, I, I, I am not a knowledgeable man with regards to that uh, area of history and location. Who got me neither? I also, I also do sometimes wonder with it, with documentaries, how much control does Joanna Lumley have in the editing room? Like I know, yeah. you know, Louis Theroux is very involved in the editing of his shows. Yeah. So Louis Theroux can be blamed for lots of things. Um, but also, but I, I don't, I just don't know how involved she was, what the, you know, like you say, the intention wasn't necessarily to do an expose on, on the Raj, although that is absolutely something that should be done. Exactly. Be done. I, I, I think, Many people could collective. We can all collectively agree, like wherever the British went, they fucked it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Including Britain, and yeah. so we. So I, you know, I, I self-identify as Cornish, and I have done for a very long time because I feel safer doing so. But I, you know, the the British, the English, rather the English specifically, yeah. have a lot, a lot to answer for. Absolutely, mm. um, and Joanna she... responsibility yeah. to, you know, to, uh, to some extent, yes. Um, if you are going there to do it, absolutely, and your family were involved, I think. It should maybe have been more acknowledged than it was, perhaps. Yeah. There's but. definitely a halfway house. Like, I mean, my, my dad makes these sort of programs and he has done a, a series with Chris Tarrant for the last sort of nearly 10 years about railways and it's called Extreme Railways with Chris Tarrant. And I'm sure, you know, no one cares much about this glimpse behind the curtain, but my, my dad writes the scripts. <laughs> um, yeah. Chris says the words and Chris gets to look at the words. But he's and not, the places and the places and he's but he's and, and Chris I'm sure does his, a lot of research on his own and has his own opinions. But at the end of the day, my dad wrote that program, so I'm sure that Joanna Lumley didn't necessarily write that program. And no. yet, the Guardian are like, I think we're going to hold Joanna Lumley to account about this. Yeah. And again, arguably, yes, it is about her family and her. It's about links to with her in these places. So maybe she should be more involved. But also, maybe she wasn't allowed. Maybe ITV was saying, I think we'll probably handle this, Joanna. You just stand there and and, and look pretty in a, to bring things in a cyclical way back to what it's like to work in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And also working in the entertainment industry in the place that she's got it is one of those jobs where you do... I mean, I think part of the gig is that you're the front-facing 
team. I mean, one of the sad things about people behind the camera is they don't get as much credit as they should. I know, especially in this pandemic, there's a lot of people who work behind the scenes in theatre and film, TV, yeah. um, who are not able to scream about it all day on Twitter and um, Instagram in the way that actors do, are the people that are on the camera or people with podcasts, for example. <laughs> um, and But she that's the sort of risk you take, I guess. Mm. Like, your dad is not going to come a cropper if that programme... If Chris Ta- Ta- Tarrant's going to be the one on the line, isn't he? If something gets said or done in that programme that makes it look like Tarrant is Or if Tarrant goes on GMTV and says himself that it's a Chinese d- disease. I mean, he won't be invited back to do a programme about Chinese railways, will he? But that's on Tarrant. <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, that one literally is on Tarrant because he said that. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of like Joanna, like, you know, she's she's got, she's the front face. It's got, she's got her name above the door. Yeah, exactly. Which is why people come for her if something. But talking think... of Lumley putting her name above the door of things, obviously there's the, uh, there's the most recent scandal that she's been involved in. The Garden Bridge. Um, I think we all need to chill out on her involvement with the bridge, to be honest, because, like, basically, she had this idea, which is objectively lovely, that we'll have a lovely bridge covered in flowers, and it will be a pedestrian bridge, a cycling bridge, and it'll be lovely. I mean, objectively, that's a great idea. It's lovely. I agree. Yeah. Like the AbFab film, on paper, that on is paper, a brilliant idea. On paper, great. None of us make policy. She then brought it to Boris Johnson's attention, who is objectively a canker sore on our national reputation because they are friends, which makes me want to die, quite frankly. But that is pretty much it from Joanna. It's like, she thinks, lovely idea, introduces architect to the worst political comic of all time. He blasts 200 million of public money whilst committing fraud. I mean, like, <laughs> Simple as that. she just had the idea. I quite confidently would say that anything Boris Johnson was involved in that went awry was his fault. Yeah, I think we've got the receipts now. Yeah, I'm not saying that, yeah, we're bloody living it, aren't we? We're not, I'm not saying that other people aren't responsible. But do you know what? Somebody sits, somebody, an actor and a model has an idea. Great. The idea might be wonderful. I don't think it's her job to sit and do the spreadsheet and to raise money and to spend money that can't be that cannot be placed at her feet and unlike Boris Johnson who lied and put through all of his expenses for you know uh, doing negotiations about the garden bridge when he was quite simply having a jolly that's literally not her but yes. also Joanna Lumley has said because um, she was encouraged when uh, Anthony Joshua was fighting Ruiz uh, the Mexican boxer yeah um, she she was asked to record a video of good luck. Lots of celebrities were asked to sort of record a video of good luck to Anthony Joshua. And she said in advance, she said, don't ask me to do that. I'm bad luck. Anything I say is a good idea. doesn't go well. And then they asked him to do it. And then he lost the fight. (laughs) And so so she she said, I think that was me. I think that was my fault. So, you know, she's self-professedly is is, is possibly not, not the instigator of wonderful ideas. But I blame. Can we just let's just blame Boris Johnson for goodness sake? He's not getting enough blame at the moment. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Like the Empress fucking nude, guys. He's wandering around with his chap out. We know this now. (laughs) Like he's chasing Dominic Cummings' wife. (laughs) Yeah, like. It, again, I think it comes back to some Madonna whore sexy mum shit where the tabloids were like, oh, I just blame Joanna Lumley. Bloody Joanna Lumley, that stupid girl. How dare she have ideas? Don't blame lovely Boris. Oh, He's very funny. We love funny him. Johnson. And People that- died for this, you bastards! Joanna whore! <laughs> oh. 
Johnson is what a Johnson does. Exactly. And that is all we'll say about the Garden Bridge. Fair enough. So there we kind of have it. Joanna Lumley has nothing but the best intention and is a comic genius. Not bad, eh? Any final thoughts on Joanna, Joe? A couple of things. She she has... Um, we talked about Doctor Who and how somebody in the 80s yeah. said she should play Doctor Who and then it obviously never happened because of misogyny. But um, uh, uh, she also... There's an interview with her and Judge Rinder. Is it Judge Rinder? <gasps> and, I live for Judge Rinder. Uh, it's like a three or four minute video. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. Oh my God. In which he talks about, you know, you should be the... Because she, she was one of the Bond girls. She had a couple yes. of lines in... Um, English on Girl. She was English Girl. Yeah. Um, no, but, but Judge Rinder said um, that maybe you could be the, uh, the female James Bond. And she said, no, 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 no. James Bond, James Bond is a man. Ian Fleming wrote a male. Why can't we just write sexy awesome kick-ass roles where for women i want women to be spies don't yes. don't force us into a pre-existing character give us new ones yes that that's fantastic i think did that idris elba say the same thing about about a black james bond well, she said it about idris someone was like do you think idris elba could do it she's like idris for everything but not this it's a bigger conversation i suppose isn't yeah. it but much yeah. bigger. But also somebody did say, how about you become the next Dalai Lama? Which I quite enjoyed. Amazing. Dalai Lumley. And as we learned in the quiz last night, the current Dalai Lama... What did he uh, say? He said, uh, if, a, a female Dalai, if a female Dalai Lama, as long as she's attractive, yes. Otherwise, not much use. Well, so, so she could do it. She's, she's the one for the job. Jesus. <laughs> She's, she's met him, yeah. She said in an interview, she was somebody. Somebody said, uh, "Why don't you be the next Dalai Lama?" And she said, "Well, it's funny because I, when the da- the Dalai Lama said to me, I could I could do that job, but usually that you know they find them at two or three. I'm a little past that now. Oh, a little, a little, oh, beautiful, beautiful. Oh my God, she's everything. Great. Oh, well done, well done. Thank you, Joe. Thank well you done, so everyone. much for that. That was oh, well, I've had a fucking great time, <laughs> Joe. She's- you are so great thank you so much you know what time thank it is it's me. time for plugs and hugs oh yeah what have you got anything to plug <laughs> do i have anything to plug um not at the moment funnily enough they mm. shut my industry um they did. But we, are, we are so i have a i have a theater company that you mentioned right at the beginning called out of the forest theater um i'm co-artistic director with my uh, i was gonna say life partner i don't know yeah life yes. partner of partner Sasha um we are working on sort of developing our our latest show about King Boris the third of Bulgaria um who was a Boris who stood up to the Nazis oh couldn't we do with one of those um but uh so we're working on that we have absolutely obviously no idea when we'll be able to do that again but if anybody would like to follow us um on Twitter we are at out of the underscore forest. Great. On Instagram, it's just out of the forest theatre. Um, and if you'd like to follow me on on Twitter at the moment, I'm mostly reposting other people's brilliant words about politics. Um, but it's at Joseph underscore Cullen ninety nine zero. Is your life partner out of the forest now? How's she doing? Is uh, I've just heard her come back with the dog, so I think she's taken a walk in the sunshine. Oh, and she hopefully- left the chamber. I'm on the wine. I'm on the wine again. I've got my I drink and I know things glass. Game oh, lovely! Look at that. Yeah, it's Did all come like full it? circle. Tyrion Excellent. realness. Tyrion realness. 
Bring it all back to Diana Rick. Yes. Great. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you all so much for uh, this. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Diva Energy. If you did and you want to reach out and have a chat, share your BDE stories with us, maybe even your own Lumley-related stories, or just tell us which diva means the most to you, you could tweet us at Diva Energy or email us at BigDivaEnergyPod at gmail.com. This podcast is a Dark Mutters production. If you thought we were absolutely fabulous, sweetie, then don't forget to like and subscribe. Alternatively, if you think we're a massive waste of taxpayer money that facilitated lots of holidays for Boris Johnson, you can very much get get in in the the sea! sea. Bye! Bye, everyone! Bye. Bye! Bye!